Today on Ag News Daily. The problem that we solve is that trials are difficult. Uh, trials are difficult for farmers. And if you look back at last year, at the growing season and planting season that we have, they're, they're challenging from that standpoint. Good afternoon, everyone. It's me, Ashton Carr, here with Delaney Howell today. Delaney, how is it going? It's pretty good. I just had some Mexican food, so I'm feeling a little sleepy. Oh, goodness. I'm a little bit jealous. I would have loved to have eaten Mexican food. I ate a little bagel this morning, and it didn't hold me over quite like some Mexican food would. Well, you're down in Texas, so you're in the heart of Tex-Mex country. I know. I should probably go out. I haven't eaten Mexican food in so long. That's totally not like me. I'm just glad that things are back up and opened up, that we're able to actually go out to eat finally. I know, me too. I'm so excited. I'm really happy about that, but still trying to be a little bit cautious. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is a nice segue for my first piece of news. So as we all know, we've all, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us, I'm sure, have gotten a stimulus check. If your total household income was less than 150000 or your individual income was, I think, less than 75000 that's been sent out here. And that's been about three months now that they started sending out those stimulus checks as part of the CARES Act. Well, we got some news that perhaps this new HEROES Act, which is still being held up in the Senate, may include an additional up to $1,200 per individual person in stimulus money. There also are some measures in there right now for small business loans, the SBA. I know I got an email this morning saying, hey, we might have some more money. Go ahead and update your application with us. So it does appear that there is the potential to see some more funding here through the HEROES Act, another $3 trillion. But it's been passed in the House, which is, of course, controlled by the Democrats. Now we're seeing it being held up by the Republicans in the Senate because I I, I think the concern is that it's a lot of money to inject into the economy, and I would kind of agree. So I think a lot of folks in the Senate side of things are wanting to just wait and see if we can pull our way out of this before we have to inject more money into the economy. But I didn't even realize that another round of stimulus was up for debate. And um, this kind of just hit the pipeline last night into today. So, yeah, hopefully whoever I know I, I didn't get a stimulus check, but for those that did or for those that might not have been able to the first round, hopefully this Heroes Act can get out soon and those people can get the money that they are in need of. Yes, so we will continue to watch that, but it does sound like there could be some potential for some more small business loans. And actually, speaking of loans, the CFAP or the Coronavirus Food Assistance Package, that money is being paid out. I know we just got our checks yesterday in the mail, and they have reported USDA's latest weekly report shows that Farmers have now received about $3 billion of the $16 billion that is expected to be distributed to farmers across farmers and ranchers across the nation. So Iowa actually continues to lead the nation, and we've gotten the most payments so far out of any other state when it comes to both row crop and livestock. Um, 
but other states are following suit. Wisconsin has been hit pretty heavily because of dairy, so they're seeing quite a bit of payments as well. If you haven't received your payments, it sounds like you should receive them here very shortly. Absolutely. And I'm going to take this kind of COVID conversation international and head over to Germany. So the potato industry in Germany has been hit pretty hard, which is a little bit unbelievable to me because I know that our household, we use potato products quite heavily. But the German demand for potatoes and potato products has collapsed during the coronavirus pandemic, meaning that potatoes are being used as animal feed or for making biogas instead. And um, Germany is the biggest producer of potatoes in the European in the European Union and a huge consumer. So several hundred thousand tons of processing potatoes could not be used. So that valuable food must be used for animal feed, biogas production, or disposed of in other ways. And the potato industry is calling for much needed aid from the government under its new economic recovery program. I have to say I'm also quite surprised because... I guess when I think about like traditional German food, I always picture like some sort of meat, like a schnitzel or um, spatzel or something like that, but served with a side of potatoes. I know it really surprised me too. And I am not very cultured, I guess, when it comes to German food like you, you just threw those terms out there. But it, it really was a shock to me as well. But I'm hoping that with their new economic process or their economic aid that they're getting, they come out with something for that potato industry. Yeah. Well, go out and eat some more potatoes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I am going to take things over. Talking China, it seems that we have seen more Chinese purchases of U.S. new crop soybeans. We saw Chinese buyers purchase another 390,000 metric tons. Again, not going to be delivered until the 2020-2021 marketing year, according to the USDA on Monday. So let's see, I believe that is 600... It's quite a bit. I don't have the number right off the top of my head of how many tons of U.S. soybeans China has bought now for the 2020-2021 marketing year, but it is pretty substantial amount. So we'll have to continue to watch that, see if it's enough to move the markets higher. As Ted alluded to yesterday, we haven't seen it move the markets too much yet. And uh, definitely didn't finish up on the day today either. But the other big piece of news I had I wanted to share today before we hop over and talk markets, unless you've got some other news, Ashton, is the USDA Weekly Crop Progress Report. We saw it posted, of course, yesterday afternoon, Monday, June 15th. And we saw soybeans at 93% planted. Corn is pretty much all planted, or at least probably the corn that is going to get planted is planted at this point. However, we did see that nationwide corn conditions dropped just slightly. We're seeing right now about 95% of the corn crop in the U.S. emerged, which is 21 percentage points ahead of last year's pace at this time. And we saw of that 95%, 75% of the nation's corn crop was in good to excellent conditions. So just down slightly from the week before. 
We're uh, definitely at a, at a period here where weather is going to determine what kind of markets we have for corn and soybeans and wheat and cotton and all that stuff. Of course. And Delaney, I do have one more bit of news before we hop on over to markets. And it's about U.S. soybeans, but probably not in the way that you think. So I read an article today about Okabashi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not. But it's a U.S. Uh, shoe company, and only 2% of shoe companies actually operate in the United States, so they are proud to source American materials, but they count on the U.S. soy industry for all of its sandals, so -hmm. they are making shoes out of U.S. soy oil or soybeans, I'm not exactly sure, something of the sort, and they have pledged to donate 10,000 pairs of soy-based sandals to healthcare workers that are fighting on the front lines during COVID-19 and every order placed through its website or Zappos, they will donate a pair of sandals to a healthcare worker in need. And they've already donated 5,000 pairs to healthcare workers and they're still counting. But I, I've never thought of us soybeans being used to make shoes. So I thought that was a really neat article on how we really use soybeans. It is. I agree. You'll have to make sure and share that in this week's weekly newsletter. But I think it's nobody's going to complain about using up more soybeans. I don't think that that's an issue. So I think it's good to see some new ways to use that product since we've got quite a bit of soybeans grown throughout the world. Speaking of soybeans, Ashton, what do you say? Should we take a look and see where soybeans and other commodities ended for the day? Let's do it. All right. Well, taking a look here at the corn contract to kick things off, the July contract ended just slightly on the day, down two quarters of a cent to close at 329 even. December new crop corn closed up a penny and a quarter to close at 342 and three quarters. Soybeans were not moved by the news of another Chinese purchase as the July contract closed two cents lower at 867 even. The November down three cents to close at 873 flat. In the wheat pits, the July contract gave up all of yesterday's gains with the Front month closing eight and three quarters lower at 4.96. Even the December up, excuse me, the December down eight cents to close at 5.09 and a half. In the livestock pits, we green across the screen as the June cattle contract. I'll skip that one. It's about to expire. The August cattle contract up 77 and a half cents to close at 96.77 and a half. The feeder cattle pits August front month a dollar seventy positive on the day to close at 132.87. The September up a dollar eighty seven and a half to close at 134.45. In the lean hog pits weakness today not quite limit down on the day with the July contract shed 262 to close at 49.65. The August down 225 to close at 53.02 and a half. And in the dairy class three milk futures, green on the screen as the June contract up five cents on the day to close at 20.65. The July up 10 cents to close at 19.37. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our Tech Tuesday conversation for today. Alrighty, today on the podcast, we have Kevin Hykus, COO of Intent, and we've talked to Intent before, or rather Delaney has, and it's been a couple months. So Kevin, why don't you give us a little bit of a recap on what Intent is? Certainly, it's a pleasure to be here again. Um, You know, the process, the innovation process is year round. And so really appreciate letting us come back and 
talk about our company, which is Intent. And Intent connects companies with farmers. And what we believe is that innovation happens when farmers and companies developing products can work together. And so what we've created is a farmer network called the Intent Farmer Trials Network, okay? And so that's where farmers come in, and, and many farmers have worked with us since 2016. We started with 40 farmers in 2016, and it's continued to grow. And this year, we'll work with um, you know, 1,200 to 1,500 farmers, and so it, it continues to grow. But the Farmer Trials Network, we believe, is a key component to what Intent as a business does as we evaluate two main things in agriculture. One is product performance. When you put a product in the field and you split it, how well did the product work? And number two is how do farmers perceive that product? And what we thought initially is that those were directly correlated. As you go through the season, you find out that they're not always correlated. So that's how the intent business works with the intent farmer trials network. And Kevin, just so I have a clear picture of, of how this works, you're out there, your intent is out there, you're working with farmers directly on the ground, and then you're taking that pool of farmers, that collection of, of boots on the ground actors, and then you're able to, to go to ag companies and say, hey, we can trial this for you on the farm and get real, real knowledgeable and, and actionable data back. Is that kind of the approach of intent? That is correct. You know, it's a problem that we identified um, about four or five years ago. And, and one would think that, that companies, and I don't care if you're a multinational and you have a database full of every farmer in the, the United States, or if you're a startup and you only know one farmer that you met at Thanksgiving two years ago. The problem that we solve is that trials are difficult. Uh, trials are difficult for farmers. And if you look back at last year at the growing season and planting season that we had, they're challenging from that standpoint. Um, what we know is that in order for a farmer to execute, you know, a, a simple trial, we'll typically communicate with that farmer 25 to 30 times during the year, educating them on, on what the product is, who the company is, having conversations around product shipment, and then making sure that throughout the season that that product gets applied in soil types and in zones that we can compare these products together. That's number one. And the number two is just making sure that the farmer understands throughout the year there's different touch points. Sometimes there's satellite imagery. I think today we're going to talk about technology, but a lot of times there are different technology pieces that are involved. The final piece that, that makes us a little bit unique is that we don't force farmers to go outside their bounds of what their current technologies are. So if a farmer is using climate field view today, we work with climate field view. If a farmer sends data through an agronomist, they're using SMS, we work through that. If they're using my John Deere, we work through that piece. We work with the farmers and their current technology stack, bring that information in and standardize it and standardize the protocol so that companies can look throughout the U.S. or in different demographics and understand product performance in different markets. So, Kevin, when you are working with these farmers doing the farmer trials, how do you go about finding these farmers and why would a farmer want to sign up to have their information made public through what, I mean, I assume it would be made public through these trials, get sent to the companies that are having you do the trials on their behalf. You know, the, the, the short answer is one would think that you could develop a website, which we did farmertrials.com, stand this up and that every farmer would want to test new uh, technologies and practices. In the real world, that's not the way that works. 
it goes back to uh, my co-founder, Randy Bark, and I have been in the business combined about 45 years together. And it started, like I said, with 40 farmers. And those were farmers that were friends of ours, people that we knew. We'd grown up with the AFA network. And so we worked with those initial 40, and, and those 40 then would bring in two or three a year. And so it's, it's a lot of word of mouth, but it also is this, this intent farmer trials network that continues to expand. Once you work with a grower one year and they understand the process, they like it. Now, the, the second part of your question, which is the value proposition, why would a farmer do this? You know, I talked about trials being difficult and, and you know, when, during, the grow, during the planting season, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a mad rush to get the crop in the ground. So why would a farmer do this? We actually set up a compensation model so that we pay farmers. And when we started the company years ago, the philosophy was we believe free trials are the worst thing that you can do when it comes to collecting data. We believe that when it says free and, it's, and you just give product to growers, that's how the whole project is perceived as free. I'll get, if, I'll get to it if I have a chance. What we decided is we said we should either charge farmers so that they follow through and, and there's a value to it, or we should pay farmers. And we didn't see anyone else. And we said, in order to do this right, why don't we value farmers' time like every other industry? So if you do clinical research or whatever, outside of agriculture, everyone's time is valued. We said, we're going to value farmers' time. And actually, um, Sarah Pierce and our team has just just done a, a big project. We went out and listened to farmers. We did a big project. We said, why do you work with us? And there were some of us that thought, well, it was because of that compensation. But the reality is, the reason that farmers work with us, they told us it's because of the data and insights that they get from working with us. So we talked about those 25 or, or 30 touch points throughout the year. We're working with them on getting the product shipped, getting it planted, getting it in the ground, answering questions. But at the end of the year, the farmers that run a trial with us get a report back with the company that they're working with to see how well did the product work. And, and the reason for that is they want to make big decisions and say, is this something that I want to use in the future? And, and if they're not having someone monitor that, collect that data, and look at these insights overall, it's really difficult for them to make these decisions. So it, it, number one is insights, and number two is the compensation. And, and I would say, uh, no, that number three is that we have a team of five, an operations center that works with these growers throughout the year. And, and we make it as easy as possible, and we are farmer-focused. And I think that's the number three reason as to why they work with us. Looking at bringing technology and new products into farmers' hands, I want to ask you, what kind of products or technology are farmers trialing is that a word? Out in their field. Are we talking data products? Are we talking actual insecticide, herbicide, you know, biological products? What, what is it you guys are helping these farmers work with? Yeah, I, I would for the first three years of our business, it was solely focused on input type products. So we were looking at biologicals. We're looking at fungicides. We're looking at micronutrients. We're looking at those types of products. And what farmers are telling us is they love the systems approach. And when we talk about a trial, if they're already doing a, a, a first pass and a second pass on herbicide or something that can add on, or if it's something they're already doing, we're doing a lot of work with the inferro technology. Those are the kinds of things that farmers are looking at. If I'm already in the process, if I've invested with inferro, if I've got this kind of sprayer, how can I start to evaluate products that match up with my equipment stack? Okay, so that's, that's the first thing. 
Now, I'll tell you that the, the, the company has evolved. And, 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 and what I mean by that is now when we look at technologies, there are so many solutions available. I don't know if you guys saw, there's a really cool map from AgFighter. It's got hundreds of companies and, and, and technologies available. And, you know, farmers have way too many decisions to make. So now what we're doing, because we looked at product performance, we've been in that space looking at those types of products in the field. We've also grown, we have a team of six agronomists that are in the field. They're out there doing boots on the ground work. They're, they're measuring, uh, they're taking soil samples, they're taking tissue tests. The third leg to the trial piece now is layering in technology. So I think I saw that you guys had my friend Josh Krenz on a couple weeks ago. He's got a sensor technology. We're working with Josh. We're looking at satellite imagery. We're looking at fixed wing drone flights. Because we know and understand product performance, because we've got boots on the ground, and because there are so many new technology advancements in the sensor, hardware, and equipment space, now we can weave these together. And so now what farmers are able to do is that I may look at a fungicide application, but right alongside that, I could look at a, a soil moisture, moisture probe together and we can ground truth that because we're there. So we've migrated from just products moving into the technology application space, if that makes sense. So from my understanding, farmers will submit their data through your farmer trials portal. What does that portal look like and how is it set up? Yeah, it's continued to evolve. And um, when we first started, we, we asked farmers, you know, basically they would email, uh, email us files. This is years ago because we said we didn't want to change what they were doing. So they went from emails into a, a system where they could just upload data to it to like a Dropbox format. Um, now Intent has a technology team and it's, it's growing. I think we're up to almost 10 technology team members. And that technology team is focused on our AWS backend. We're working on an, an Esri front end and they go to farmertrials.com and, and we push out a link to them and they can actually go right there and upload that one field of data. A lot of times there's questions that we've got to ask. And so, you know, in the movies or maybe, you know, if, if you're drawing this up on a whiteboard in an air conditioned office, you think, well, a farmer, and this, this was my perception years ago, I said, we need three files. We need a planting file, an as-applied file, and, and a harvest file. I'm going to ask farmers for those three data sets. It might be five communications and we're done. What happens is when that data comes in, a shape file, maybe you only got one of the four needed files. Maybe the information comes in and you drew up the protocol and the, the product was supposed to be applied on the west side of the field. It got applied on the east side of the field. One that we see all the time is that we've got to go back and talk to the grower because maybe the trial didn't get labeled correctly in the monitor. So the information gets uploaded. And, and I know I, you know, I talk about in the movies, it, it's simple. And in the corporate boardroom, it's simple. But intent lives in that space where when data comes off a planter, sprayer, or combine, until a data scientist can model that information, all that area in the middle that is messy and it's hard and it's where you work with farmers and you say oh we were going to do this oh i forgot to do this oh it rained oh i had to stop those hundreds and hundreds of things that happen going alongside those farmers and getting that data set clean and understanding what truly happened at the farmer level is where we believe we um, excel in terms of, of, of creating a data set and generating those insights for where products worked and so, kevin go ahead lenny 
I was just going to say, Kevin, before we let you go, for farmers that are listening right now and interested or maybe at least interested in learning more about becoming part of the farmer trials, how can they find out more information? We've made it super simple. Go to farmer trial. And and I would tell every farmer, there's no reason. We're not going to send out lots of email. But if you go to farmertrials.com, on the front page, there's a sign up. And actually right now we're running a summer giveaway. So we're giving away uh, hats to like the first time. I think we still have some left. So go drop your email address. Tell us what state you're in. And, and that'll let us alert you to trials. I will tell you that most of the trials, uh, all the trials this year are filled. There may be some things that pop up as we go into winter wheat. We're becoming more year-round. We're in Argentina and, and to Canada now. But there is no reason not to put your email address in there and just be alerted to what products are coming, what the, what the companies are that are, that, are, that are working on these, and just to be alerted when, when new trials come down the pipe. I'd encourage everyone just to, to jump on that list. And FarmerTrials.com. Before we let you go, real quick, because you alluded to it right there, you've got 1,500 plus farmers currently in the network. When these products are being rolled out, do you send out just a general information email allowing people to sign up? Do you target specific farmers in specific regions? How does that process work? Yeah, it's, it's continued to evolve. And I'll tell you two words. So when we first started, we used the word recruitment. We're going to send out emails and we're going to recruit farmers to be part of this trial network. What it is now is it's an application. So farmers have to apply. And so a lot of times, um, you know, a company like Pivot Bio has worked with us for, for three going on four years now. So there's farmers that have worked with Pivot Bio since the very beginning that Pivot wants to keep working with that customer base. So farmers have to apply to be part of these. And, and that application process is what is the equipment type? And one of the things that we do is, you know, how do you collect data? And, and, and is this going to be something that fits with you? It really becomes evident. And one of the things that I'm most proud of is, is our system now allows us to be able to see which farmers like fungicide trials versus infertile trials. But uh, right now it is, it's, it's growing enough that it's an application process for farmers to apply to work with new innovative companies. Well, again, Kevin, thank you for coming back on the podcast. And we'll be sure to tag you guys once we post this. But thanks again for taking the time out of your day. I know you're in the field right now to uh, talk to us. No, thank you. You guys are doing great stuff. And I'm so proud of the the, the way podcasts are growing. And uh, keep doing what you're doing because it's a lot easier for those of us that are out to grab a podcast we're going down the road. So keep doing your good work. Well, again, a big thank you there to Kevin. Sounds like farmer trials are going really well this year. And I can understand the hesitancy of sharing your data or having to be tracked or researched, if you will. But I think it does give a great opportunity to be able to test some products, if nothing else, and get paid for doing so. Absolutely. And you can keep track with Farmer Trials at Farmer underscore Trials on social media and Intent Ag at at Intent Ag on social media. And you can, of course, keep up with us on social media at Ag News Daily. You absolutely can. Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.